pray with me, please. Father, thank you so much for this day. <laughs> thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Uh, man, thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day. And thank you for all these people. Um, man, these are special people, Lord, in our culture today, people that are willing to gather in your name, whether they're seeking or whether they've known you and uh, know you for a long time, Lord, um, they're special because, man, this culture and this world is so against that. They don't want us asking questions or seeking you. So, Father, I pray that you would reward their faith, however small a step it may be. Move in lives today. Do what you do, Lord Jesus. Heal, restore, save. And, uh, God, I pray that you would help me to preach your word uh, and only your word. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. If this is your first time, you are joining us for the end of a series, which is great timing because the next week... Something amazing may be coming, but you will only know if you come back. So uh, the, this series has been about, like, what is life, man? You know, I, I'm not going to tell the whole spiel again, but if, if this is your first time, you, you know these moments, the moments when life just feels like you're just existing, right, breathing. And when I look in the Bible, well, outside of that, you know, everyone is looking for purpose. They're looking for life to be more than eat, sleep, work. Repeat over and over and over again. And so most of our lives are spent running around trying to find something that makes us feel alive. Makes us feel like life's more than that. The problem is it's, it's uh, temporary. Right? And that's why we run from thing to thing to thing. You ever known anyone? Maybe it's you. You're in the room. You don't have to raise your hand. But people that have, they kind of dive 100% into one hobby and then they do that for a month, a couple years, and they dive into another one. So I've known people that's like, I am a golfer, and they golf forever. And then it's, I am, I jump into, you know, I jump out of planes. I'm really into that. And I'm really into fishing. I'm really into hunting. I'm really into all these things. And there's nothing wrong with, with learning. But I'm talking about the people that that becomes their identity, right? And then they jump to something else over and over and over again. Why do they do that? Because they're looking for something to give them more, right? To give them a feeling of more than just... So that's what, what this is about. When I read in the Bible, I haven't done this before, but I know churches do this, and I guess it's kind of been what's happening to me is a little bit of the theme of this year for me is holding God to his promises. You know, he says things, and I, I got kind of tired of just assuming that it's a possible or like making excuses for him. He's God. If he told me this is going to happen, then I need to hold him to that, and he's big enough to hear that. Right? He's big enough to handle that. He made the promise. All I'm saying is, you told me to have faith, Lord. Well, I'm going to step. Please keep your promise, which he does. <clears throat> so that's it. That's what this is all about. Because life, if you're in this room today, and you can't say that life is more than just eat, sleep, repeat with brief moments of pleasure, something's going on. Particularly if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian and that is your life, something's going on. You know, I've heard people say before they'll come here, it happens at every church, and they're really excited, and they're pumped, right? And they maybe even come to know the Lord, and they're excited for the first time in months, and then after a few months, they're like, this is it? What happens in those moments? How does that happen? They, haven't, they, they don't stop believing, but it's no longer exciting, and it's no longer impactful, and it's just, hmm. And then they fade away from church, Right? And then, interestingly, life then becomes even more. So this week, a buddy of mine, Ryan, broke some news for me. Ryan, I said your name for the first time. You broke some news this week. He was breaking news first thing in the morning. 
I think it was before ESPN, not really, but it was right after that. And he breaks this news. And there's a guy, who's Colts? Any Colts fans in here? Raise your hand. Really? That's awesome news. I'm not a fan either. I'm just kidding. All right, so raise your hand if you're a Colts fan. Okay. Football fan? You know, if Peyton Manning was still here, there'd be 900 of you raising your hands. I'm a Colts fan. Anyway, so football fans, raise it again. Great. <clears throat> just don't want to raise your hand? All right. <laughs> gotcha. I love tricking people. Anyway, <clears throat> so... A Colts player this week released this statement. Go ahead. Put it up there. Now, we had his actual Instagram post, but you can't read it. So we're just going to transcribe it for you. He says, uh, this is Kari Willis, okay, starting strong safety. This is not, for lack of a better word, a scrub. By the way, any NFL player, you should never call them a scrub. Any, a guy on a practice squad is head and tails above us. I mean, we, need to, we need to wake up reality. It's kind of like when we, you've heard the saying, we look at LeBron, I'm like, how can he miss that shot? What a loser. I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. He's the loser, right? <laughs> but I like, he says, this is Carl said, I'd first like to thank the Indianapolis Colts organization for granting me the opportunity to compete in the National Football League the past three years. He's only 26. I've built lifelong friendships with numerous teammates, coaches, and support staff that have impacted me greatly. The lessons I've learned in this phase of my life will be valuable for me in my next chapter. With much prayer and deliberation, I've elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank all of my family, friends, and those who've supported me on this journey thus far, and I look forward to your continued support through the next phase of my life. What's interesting about, um, you can put down, about this is, this is big news, like in the sports world. People are, you know, on and on, and I had to look this guy up. Now, he was like a third or fourth round pick. If you don't know much about the NFL, okay, they're not kind of promised a starting role. It means they have potential, and he's worked his way up, but he started like 33 games over three years, and he was going to be the starting strong safety. Now, here's the other thing you don't realize. NFL rookies are typically put on four- or five-year deals, okay? So four-year deal with an option for the fifth year. They kind of trap you in that. After that is when you break the bank. Get what I mean? So after that is when you become a free agent you get your money. He's year three. He's really close. He's starting. I looked at his stats. They're actually pretty impressive. This is not just a guy that's like barely hanging on. This guy's coming into the prime of his NFL career. Millionaire, right? Gonna be. Probably multimillionaire. Could have stayed around for a long time. Why is this big news? Why does the world care? Right? <clears throat> Why do stories like this make such big news? Why does it matter to people? Players retire all the time. All the time. Players don't typically retire in their prime, when they're young, when they're about to start, possibly break the bank, right? There's people all over the country, guarantee you, football players, I would have been that guy long ago, and be like, this guy... You know, for like, this is old me. We're like, what an idiot, right? He's throwing this all away. Why is this big news? Why does it encourage some of you? I heard somebody go, oh, praise God. Why? What about Tim Tebow? Why was he a big deal? I'm already losing you, right? This is so, I gotta. Tim Tebow, why was he such a big deal? This guy had the ultimate stage, if you didn't know, right? He was, there was probably no more famous athlete when he was in college than Tim Tebow. And even his first year, why was he a big deal? Christians used him as a symbol, right? He is, oh, look at Tim Tebow. He talks about Christ and on TV, and it's amazing. It is amazing. Why is that a big deal? You ready? Because it's rare. Guess what? It's rare for people in this room at their work, at their jobs or in their families, to be as outspoken as Tim Tebow or Kari Willis. It's, it inspires us as Christians because when we look at this guy and we say, you ready what I think deep down? Man, it must be real. 
It must be real if he's willing to do this. That's a guy that it's real for. Has to be, right? So it's a big story. And even other places, I was reading um, mainstream news headlines. They're like, Kari Willis abruptly retires to devote to religious life. And we as Christians know that what he's saying is far more than I'm going to be religious. Devoted to the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He even said that, right? He didn't just say the gospel. Jesus Christ. What an incredible, incredible story. Let me shift gears for a second. If I were to ask you, do we give, when you have a puppy, right, a brand new puppy, and we gave it to a fish, what would happen to the puppy? We take it from its mom and give it to a fish. You know what's funny about uh, preaching? When I don't want you to say anything, you're clear as day. Right? When I ask, you're like, see? (laughs) That's my my point. Okay, but what will happen to it? It would die. Nice. Enunciation. Do we give, you know, if we give a cat to a tiger, oh, those are cute stories, right? Oh, look at the house cat. And it might be cute for a while. And then when he grows up and he goes and tries to attack a wildebeest, what's going to happen to the cat? He's going to die, right? Those cute stories, and I was like, oh, that's nice, and you, you don't think about what happens later. Why? My point is this. If, you want, if, we want, if an animal or even a baby, right, we give a baby to a chimp, it might keep it alive for a while, right, but it's not, Tarzan doesn't exist. Eventually, it's he, she, that child would die because they aren't made to be a monkey, right? And they were never taught to be a human. They don't, they're never taught, hey, you've got to put clothes on when it's cold because the monkey's like, I don't put clothes on. What do you need to put clothes on for? And then they die. If some animal, some of you are going, where's this going? Stay with me. <clears throat> Something or someone can only learn, right, to be what it's supposed to be by following that which it's trying to be. Pretty wordy for you, right? If you want a dog to be a dog, it has to learn from a dog. That's why even, right, you're like, take puppies. Yes, the cute stories about feeding them with bottles. That's nice. But the healthiest way, you breed her, right, you take them after eight weeks. Why is that? You think it's just for milk? No. I'm going to put it all together for you. You'll like it, Kelsey. Stay with me. As we close our series on living with purpose, which is why many of us in the church today are just existing instead of living. Because when I read the Church of Acts, I get discouraged. I'm like, I want that. I want it. Why don't I have it? It's not the church's fault. Capital C, right? Because we're all part of it, because then it's my fault, so it's just like pointing myself. But if we want to learn, what is going on? <laughs> if we want, if many of the church today are just existing instead of living, like the church in Acts, for example, we have to face some reality. Listen, some of you in the room today, I'm going to talk to the remnant folk. Guess it's probably not you. Remnant, I know you do this. You need to wake up and put some cold water in your face and see reality. You need to see reality. We have to see reality and ask ourselves a very real question. If we call ourselves a Christian, if I call myself a Christian, what does that mean? What does that mean to be a Christian? Now some of you, I'm about to take you deep for a minute because you're like, it means believe in Jesus. Yeah. Even the demons believe in Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to call myself a Christian? What is a Christian? Some of y'all think you're a Christian because you went to church when you were 10. 
Because somebody led you through a Sunday school prayer. And you might be saved, but you're not acting, you're not a Christian. What is a Christian? If we're not living as the creature, thing, person that we are, which we have to define by what is a Christian, if we're not doing whatever it is that a Christian is, then it stands to reason we won't experience real purpose or life. We will drown like the puppy falling the fish. If you're a Christian, the Bible says very simply, it's not even the point today, you're a new creation. You don't get to go back. You don't get to go back and be what you were and think you'll be happy. People, this world will tell you you can do that. Even the modern church will tell you you can do that. You can be cool and follow Jesus. You can be friends with everyone and follow Jesus. But that's not what it says. And so, I believe a lot of our misery is because we aren't real with ourselves. We're like a puppy trying to follow a fish instead of a dog. We have to face the mirror and the truth. Listen to me. If you want life, if you want purpose in life, not just to go. I used to think I'm an Eeyore until I look at some of you all, and I feel pretty good about myself. (laughs) Beautiful day out. (laughs) Now I'm going to get a message tomorrow that, hey, I'm mad at you because you made fun of my mumbling. We have to face the mirror and the truth and be prepared to do something radical. To pursue life. See, a lot of you guess, I don't even need to talk to you about this because you're here, you're seeking, you're at that stage. A lot of you remnant folk are the ones. And you're like, I come to church every week because that's what I'm supposed to do. What more do you want from me? I don't want anything for you, but I feel sad that you're not living life. You're just breathing and existing. We have to face the mirror. So what's what's the mirror then? I'm gonna let's let's think about. A Christian, by in and of itself, is someone who is trying to be like who? Christ. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. Christian. It's a trick question. Christian. You're trying to be like Christ. Now, Christian used to actually be an insult when it was first came out. Oh, that's a Christian. That's how they, right? So disciple. Follower is different. What's a disciple? It means learner. You're learning to be like your master. So stay with me for a second, okay? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 16, 24, and 25. I'll wrap it together for you, maybe. 16, 24, and 25. This is then Jesus told his Christians, no, his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up my cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If anyone would come after me. This verse, these verses are interspersed with all the ones that give you encouragement. Like, hey, I'll never let you go. And you're forgiven. And and that's true. Those are beautiful things to hold on to. But these verses are the ones, this is the cold water. This is the mirror that you have to accept. You need to wake up. Some of you, the 10-year-old, I was in Sunday school. It makes me a Christian. Listen, that might be why life has no purpose for you. It wasn't enough to meet Jesus. It wasn't enough to like his miracles. It wasn't enough to eat the bread that he made. It wasn't enough. It wasn't even enough to follow the religion. How do we know that? The rich young ruler, right? Hey, what is it? how do I inherit the kingdom of God? How do I inherit heaven? How do I get with God? Do these things. I've done them all. He goes, great. All you have to do now is sell all of your goods, your belongings, and follow me. 
The man walked away because he had many possessions. Some of you are all like, well, I don't have any possessions, so I'm good. Well, what is it that you wouldn't leave? Stay with me. There's encouragement here, but we have to face truth first. If any, let's, let's, let's see these words and let this sink in as though Christ himself were saying it to you. You by yourself, not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not everyone in the room. You yourself in a room alone with Jesus. This is what he said if you call yourself a Christian. If anyone, if you, if Todd, Todd, if you would follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now this is the point where every Christian in the room says, I do that. Hmm. You have to deny yourself. Can you follow him without denying yourself? Can you follow him without denying yourself? You can't. So what are you saying, Todd? What does it mean? It's inevitably going to cost you something. Your pride, your stature, your status, your cool factor, your relationship, your finances, your life. That's why he says after it. This is deep. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Is he telling you to kill yourself? No, he's saying if you try to have life, living, purpose, if you try to find life on your own, you'll never find it. But if you give up your idea of what life is for me, you will find it. That's why Jesus calls this the mystery of the gospel. In order to get, you've got to let go. In order to live, you got to die. Does this make sense? This isn't the stuff that's fun to hear. You have to deny yourself. What does deny yourself mean? I'll bring it back to you really, okay? Let's make some tangible things. When you, husbands, you're called to love your wife and she's not being lovable. Denying yourself means love anyway. Because that's where Jesus would go. That's what he would do. That's what he does for me. He loves me when I'm not lovable. Wives, when you're called to submit, oh, that's a dirty word. That's because you live in the 20th century. Go back to the 12th century. Go back to 1st century. You're not looking at your husband. I ain't submitting to you. You ain't doing that. Culture, right? Either way, back then, it took denying yourself and it takes denying yourself now. See, men, we're called now to deny ourselves in a way they weren't back then. I mean, they were called to, but they didn't have to. Like, culture would have been like, yeah, cool. You want to slap your wife? Whatever. I'm serious. Do you think people came and arrested people for that? I'm not saying that should happen. That's the point, right? Jesus is radical, and he says, you got to deny what culture and world's telling you. Ladies, when you're called to submit to your wife, I mean your wife, your husband, husband, when you're called to submit to your husband and you don't do that because you don't like the word, you're not denying yourself. When you make excuses as to why you don't have to, you're not denying yourself. When you don't go to church, when you could, it's so small. I picked that one because it's the most minor one that's so acceptable. When you neglect to gather, Scripture says do not neglect to gather, as some do, but all the more as the day draws near, you should be doing it more. When you do that and you come up with the excuse that you're tired or your toe hurts or your hamstring like me right now hurts or whatever else is it hurts or I got to do this or I got to do that, you're not denying yourself. You're trying to save your life, aren't you? Well, I have to rest, God. I have to rest. You're not going to take care of me. Saving your life. And then you have to follow him. You have to follow him. 
want to come back to that. Listen to me. Some of you think, listen, you cannot halfway follow. That's not following. Thousands of people followed Jesus. But who was at the cross? Thousands of people followed him off the mountain where he's giving out bread and fish. How many were at the cross? You know why? Because when it comes to denying yourself, when it comes to a cost, guess what? The crowd starts thinning out. Now, here's the irony. Well, Todd, that's terrifying. Well, we look at how, how is that going to lead to life? You tell me, how can the apostles, all of them except one, die these horrible deaths and do so cheerfully? How did they do that? Because they realized life as they knew it wasn't in this world even. It wasn't what they wanted. Following him meant following him literally all the way to physical death for them. And we can't even fall into church on a Sunday because we're sleepy. And we wonder why we're not experiencing a living, empowered, axe church. It's not the pastors that are the problem. There's a lot of them that aren't great, right? It's not the churches. Guess it's, it's us individually as Christians. Let's keep going. John 10, 27. We'll come back to this. Listen, I'm, gonna, I give you, I'm hearing you this because it's so important. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Okay, so if you're not following and we're not following, what does that tell us based right here? You don't hear his voice and he doesn't know you. It's so funny that everybody thinks the, que- the big question is, do you know Jesus? The real question is, does he know you? Does he know you? Does he know you? You know, a few weeks ago we talked about going through the valley of shadow of death, right? And how the sheep follow the shepherd. And if they don't, what happens? They're in trouble, aren't they? They're in the dark. They're in the valley of shadow of death. They're falling in holes. They're falling off cliffs. They're getting picked off by predators. They're getting lost. That's what happens to us. You think real life, you think a sheep wandering aimlessly, scared in a, in a valley with wolves and lions around and holes, do you think that sheep is living an anxiety-free, joy-filled life? Of course not. So why do you think you would? Why do we think that we can have life outside of him when he just tells us that we can't? Sometimes it's very simple. Living life with purpose means you have to follow him. You can't kind of follow. You can't halfway follow. See, that's the thing. People always say, well, Todd, can you lose your salvation or can you not? Well, Scripture tells me, and this is what you know, you can't lose your salvation. Well, Todd, what about the people that walk away? Well, it's very simple. They were not willing to follow him all the way. They were never actually disciples. They were just fans. A lot of people love the bread when they're hungry. When you start talking cross and crucifixion and dying to self, oh, I don't want any of that. I'll take the free bread and the miracles, but I don't want any death or weight. Now, here's the irony. Todd, you're telling me to be depressed. No, in letting go and trusting God, because remember, he's given us promises. He says, I have plans for you, right? I work out all things for the good of those who believe according to my purposes. If he is good and he is just, he's going to take care of you. But you have to let go of trying to take care of yourself, because how's that working out? Let's go on. Luke 9, 59 through 62. Jesus himself, right? Is that what I got? I'm getting better. To another, he said, follow me. That's crazy, Tim. It says, follow me again. Follow me. But he said, but he, being one of the people he said it to, to another. So this is the other. This is what he says back. Lord, let me go first. Let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's cold, isn't it? That sounds cold. Now remember, God knows their hearts. Listen, you ready? They were already making excuses of why they couldn't go. And once they went and buried their dead, it would have been the next excuse. Well, let me go say goodbye to my family. Then it would have been the next excuse. Well, i got to get for work in the morning, God. Well, the next excuse, well, i got to be a good husband or wife. Isn't that funny? Sometimes we use our marriages to justify not following Jesus as though that is even possible. Did you know that you can idolize your marriage in Christianity above Christ? And that's acceptable. He said this to them because he already knew you're just going to keep coming up with excuses. You have to let it go and follow me. We don't know what God would have said, what Jesus would have said when they said, okay. That's what makes Peter so amazing. We all, he gets a bad rap, right? Peter, the guy who ran off, the coward. But Jesus said, hey, leave your nets and your way of living and follow me. I'll make your fisherman men. He's like, all right. And he went. Some of you all won't miss work for a, for a day, Right? Some of you all can't even, you, you're too scared to even tell your work. I'm just giving the example. I'm not trying to, eh, I guess I'll convict you a little. At the end of the day, well, I'm going to, I, I, you know, I can't, I got to work on Sundays. I can't, I'm sorry, I'd be at church, but I got to work. Do you? Do you? I forgot where they owned you, where they have a, they have a barcode on your neck. Well, Todd, I have to. No, you're justifying. And I'm not saying there aren't moments, right? You know in your heart. Even if you're afraid to lose your job, what have you put above Christ? If your primary uh, hindrance, let's say, to telling your boss, I can't work Sundays today, right? I'm not saying there are times, but I'm just, let's just say that. If fear is the reason, what have you put above Christ? See, some of you are already mad at me. Why? I don't know you. I don't know if you work on Sundays. I, that's not me. It's okay because it's hard not to let fear cause us not to follow, isn't it? And sometimes even when we follow, fear will cause us to run away, Peter. So some of you in the room, it's not to say you're hopeless because you aren't following, it's saying maybe it's time to go back. Today's the day where Jesus, like he did to Peter, is coming to you at the campfire and saying, hey, feed my sheep. Hey, are you willing to follow me now? Or will you keep making excuses of why you can't come with me? And if that's the case, you're never going to experience real life. Why? Because you're made to do that. You are made to live in relationship with God. To follow him. What does follow mean? We'll talk about that. No one put, who puts his hand in the plow and looks back is, back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is it? John 12, 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. There it is again. And where I am, there will be my servant. There will my servant be also. Oof. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. What a, what a promise. So let's use the example of working. Well, Todd, I've got to make, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not telling you what to do. Let's just say, certain cases, there are people, let's say that there's someone who is just doing it out of fear. You're saying God's not going to take care of you? Can you really not make it? Because what did you just say? The Father will honor him. Well, Todd, that sounds good. What, are you, what, what, what religion are you following if this is just words with no power? 
some of you all kind of come off as crazy to me because you're following a book but don't actually believe that God does anything. So, like, you like it when it's, like, make you feel good, encouragement, shake hands, hug. But when it's time to actually do something, you're like, whoa, whoa, let's be realistic here. You're taking this God thing a little too far. I remember when that was said to me before. This is really simple. If anyone serves me, it's going to follow me. Okay, so you say you're a servant of Christ. What do you have to do in order to be a servant? What? Follow, yeah. You have to follow him. Okay, what does following mean? This is, this is great. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Well, Todd, I can't go to heaven yet. That's, he's with us always, right? Two or three are gathered in my name. I am there. It means do you go where he went? Do you do what he did? Do you? Do I? Do you do what he did on the daily? Will you go where he went? Or do you want to stay with the crowd? Because the crowd will follow him for a while. And that's why Jesus said, there will come a time when I will separate the sheep from the goats. The difference is what? The sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Follow him where? That's not, that's, we don't get to ask that. We just follow. Because God has what? Good plans for us. That's our purpose. And then I want to give you this, okay? So we're talking about following and a purpose, and I'm going to wrap this all together for you. Kelsey, I promise. So you don't have to be confused this time. Here it is. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. I'm just kidding. She, she's always listening, so she's she, she very expressive with her eyes, like, hmm, right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Last thing that Jesus says, right? The last command, the charge that he gives, that's our charge too. So here's the real question. You say you're following him. And now we know that following means following his commands, right? You have to, in order, we're going this way, that's a command. You have to follow him. So here's the question. Man, and and guys, listen to me. Guys and gals, I'm not, this convicts, this should convict all of us. How many people have you went and made disciples of all nations and taught them to deserve everything that I have commanded you? How many people have you told the gospel to in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, week, two weeks, month, three months, six months? Not me, not even just invited into the church, though that's beautiful. How many people have you told about Jesus? Well, Todd, I don't see anyone. I hear that all the time. I don't see anyone. I don't have any neighbors. I don't have any coworkers. I don't have any... You're fibbing. You're making excuses. We're already his church. Part of the reason we're not alive is we don't live like this is real. We live like we're ashamed of him. That's the hardest part about being a pastor for me because I didn't want to be a pastor. And I look out and I see all these Christians, and not you guys necessarily, and I see them literally falling asleep, taking naps, not listening, looking at their watch, getting mad. And I'm sitting here going, how, can, how is this possible? That this has become normal for you. How is it possible that sometime in your life you came to the knowledge that without him you're dead. You put your faith in him and this became like just noise to you. Even if you don't like me, which is very likely, right? His, his word? None of this? You're sleeping? Man, does he know you? Or do you just know of him? 
Well, Todd, if you were more interesting, I'd listen. And that's, not a, that's not following. That's entertaining. You want to be entertained. You don't want to be taught. You don't want to be led. You don't want to follow. Hey, if Jesus is going the way I'm going, I'm cool with this. What if he's not? A while back, so the key here, let me wrap it around for you. So here's the fish puppy analogy. Oh, the reason the puppy is dying is because it's trying to be something it's not instead of learning from what it's supposed to be. That's why most of us and many of us in this room experience a lack of life. I don't care if you're 12, 14, 18, 24, 98, it doesn't matter. And by the way, your version of religion is not what I'm talking about. If you've went an entire year, I'm just going to throw this out, and you've been the teacher but never been taught, oof. I wonder if you're following Jesus or following you. Can you tell me how many times that happens? A person who's following Jesus is in a perpetual state of learning, right? They have to be. Humility. Yeah, you're going to teach and show because you're going that way, but you're never setting yourself up beside Jesus. It's me and Jesus teaching everyone. Oof. It's not you and Jesus talking to the Pharisees. It's not you and Jesus talking to the religious elite. It's not you and Jesus talking to the unbelievers, right? It is. We are those things. And he has saved us and transformed us. And we always need to remember that in comparison to him, that's what we always are. And that keeps us in that humility. But coming back to, I got off this second message, I really believe that a lot of our faith, listen, and you have nothing to lose. I want to come down and throw a podium. I want to do something because all of y'all sleep. I, I just, see, this is when I would like to be a charismatic preacher because I can come down and scream and throw snakes at you, whatever else, right? Something to get you to wake up because I'm looking at your faces and some of y'all are going, and then you're going to leave and say, I don't know, life is meaningless. This is the key to life, right here. You want life, you got to go to the life giver, and there's only one person that can give it. It's hard. It's hard. So a while back, a few years ago, and you can look, Google it, because I may get the details wrong, but the gist of it's true. We talked about it in men's group. There is a guy, unbeliever, who worked for like the Washington Post or something, the guys will know this, we talk about all the time, who followed, lived like Jesus for 30 days, I think. 30 days or 90 days. So fascinating. Not a Christian, not a believer. And he followed Jesus, followed the teachings of Jesus. At the end of the days, you know, they're interviewing him, he writes this book about it, and he goes way off. He kind of follows the religious uh, the loss too, right? I don't eat pork and all this stuff. At the end of the day, though, he lives like Jesus, and he comes back to this. They say, well, hey, how was it? And he said, honestly, the thing I'll always remember, he goes, life was better. I don't believe this, but this way of life is better. Here's the crazy thing. How is it possible that a non-believing, non-Holy Spirit-empowered, fallible, sinful man followed Jesus for 30 days more than many of the Christians in our churches on Sundays? Because we take our grace for granted. We think our grace is a leash to do what we want. Right? It's freedom to live how we want. When the truth is, it's, it's freedom from sin. It's freedom to follow him. So here is my list for you today. It's a little different. I have a challenge for you, for real. I don't even want, maybe I'll do this. All right, everybody, I don't do this often. Close your eyes, put your heads down. Come on, I know you don't like to be told what to do. Would you please, please put your heads down. Thank you. <laughs> All right, put your heads down. I can't start until everybody's head's down. Thank you. All right, raise your hand if life seems to have no meaning lately. Or there's a lot of times when it doesn't. When you've been down, discouraged, great. You can put them down. Listen, the, you guys that were honest and the rest of you that, praise God, you might be in a, in a, on the top of a, you can look up now, on top of a mountain right now, great. Remember this for the valley. 
I have a challenge for you. What do you have to lose? 30 days of following. Are you willing to commit, everyone in this room, now the rest of you, I'm still challenging you. Are you willing to commit if you're a Christian? If you're not a Christian, you can't do this. It's a, I'm going to be honest, you can't. You might be able to do what the guy did. Yeah, some of you got mad already. Good. Maybe you'll try. 30 days of following Jesus. 30 days of actually following him. Well, Todd, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you fun. That's you. All right? 30 days of following. How do you do that? Number one, I'm going to simplify for you. Pray. Pray every day. Every single day. You know how I don't know? I know you don't do this. Lionheart guys, I can say this because one of the leaders, one of the challenges is you have to pray every day. Okay? For, for I don't even remember our own challenge now. It's only five minutes, isn't it? On your own. Only five minutes. Guess what? It's a struggle for them. Woo! And before you all get on your high horses, how many of you all prayed for five minutes straight without any distractions? Some of you all are going, nice, that means you're being real. Pray every day. I didn't even put a time limit on it. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do it? If already you're like, I can't, well then you don't really want life. If you're a Christian in the room, number one, pray. Why would I put abide? There's a powerful section, I believe, in John chapter 14, maybe 15. You'll see Where Jesus says, I'm the vine, right? You're the branches. Abide in me. Abide in me. And I'm going to paraphrase. And you'll be healthy. If you don't abide in me, you're going to die. That's what he says. Now, we aren't grape growers, many of us. If you are, cool. I'd love to talk to you because I want to learn about it. But grapes, right? Here's what I can tell you about a vine. Abide means rest. Stay connected to. Rest in Christ. Be close to him. Be connected to him. I am the vine. You are the branches. I bring the life. You just come off of me. Prayer is constantly abiding in Christ. It's constantly abiding in God. It's constantly keeping us in a perpetual state of who he is and who we are. It's very hard to be arrogant when you pray. Because you really realize how much need you have. How desperate you are. Can you do it? Can you pray for 30 days? Are you willing, even if you're like, Todd, I think this is stupid, then prove me wrong. 30 days, pray and abide. Do what he told you to do. If you're a Christian, if you're not, you can try it. I think he'll still show up for you if you mean it. Pray and abide every day. Y'all got 15 alarms in your phone to wake up in the morning. You can put an alarm to pray. You'll snooze it a few times, but eventually you'll get up and pray, right? AJ? <laughs> Not the praying part. 75 alarms. <laughs> All right. Number two. This is good. I'm going to make it simplify. Number two, love. Jesus said this incredibly powerful verse. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. They will know your disciples by your love for one another. That's just, that's, by the way, that's not the world. Some of you are really good at loving the world. That's because you don't have to live with them. If I send $2,000 to Haiti, it doesn't mean it's bad, but that's a lot harder than having to come and love me who's obnoxious and loud and annoying. Some of you are like, yes, it is. That's my point. You have to love, and here's the thing. In order to love like Jesus, you have to seek the people who need love because that's what he did. To the leper who came to him and said, if you're willing, I can be healed, Jesus touched him first and then said, I am willing. He touched him because he hadn't been touched in who knows how long because he's unclean and a good Jew can't touch him. He met his need. He loved him and then still went. He could have just done that and healed him, right? But he touched him and answered his question, I am willing. What was he really saying? I love you. I see you. 
Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to seek for 30 days the people around you and love them? Well, Todd, what do you mean? Yeah, love your people in your church, love your coworkers, and here's the one I don't like, love your enemies. Sometimes loving enemies is just praying for them. 30 days, what do you have to lose? Truly love like he told you to love. Listen, Google it. What does Bible say about love? If you don't know how, do that. Start there, but as you read, we'll get to Oh, I gave you a clue, darn it. Anyway, pray. And as you pray, ask God to show you, to lead you to people to love. Because guess what? It's real and he will. I have a crazy story from two weeks ago in Lionheart. I prayed. I was running out of someone for a challenge. I was supposed to love a stranger. And I said, God, I don't want to go to, I've had to go to Walmart. Please just show me. I go, and I get it. I'm going to be honest. I'm a pastor. And I still was like, he probably ain't going to do it. But I was like, God, if, if could just put someone on my path if you want me to love this stranger. I pull up, and I'm not even kidding you, right here in the car, catty corner to me. I kind of look familiar. I get out, and the guy goes, hey, man, the mumble, the mumble hello. And I looked at him, and I realized it was a guy. He's, a, he's not a kid anymore. He's a kid that used to two things. When I worked at a nonprofit for at-risk youth, he came to my programming, and he used to come to this church when we were at the center at that building with his little sister. They didn't come with parents. They just came together. Now... I, and I, I did what you do. I was like, all right, God, because I hadn't talked in like six years. God, if he's still out here when I get out from Walmart, I'm supposed to talk to him. You ever do that? Some of you are like, no, I always obey. Yeah, right. So I go inside and I come out, and guess what? Not only is he still there, he goes, oh, hey, Todd. And I was like, I immediately, it was one of those times like I'm 100% obeying. I just walked right up to his window and started talking to him and learned all of these incredible things about you know, his, that he shared with me about his life, and he's got kids now, and, and it was just a cool moment to be able to encourage him and be encouraged and love him in that moment. I talked to him for 30 minutes, standing outside of his truck. I'm not bragging. I mean, I'm saying I would have missed that moment, and I still almost didn't follow. When Jesus is like, hey, I'm going right here, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go around this bush. If he's still here, I'll touch the leper, right? Not that the guy's a leper. He's awesome. Seek it. Can you do that? Now, I got in trouble for doing this once, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're in the room going, are you upset? Are you sleepy? Are you mad that I'm challenging you? That's okay. Because you're going to remember it, even if it's anger. You're going to remember it. Love, seek. Number three, you got to eat. Eat. Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of, what's the word of God? The Bible. Yeah. There's people right now somewhere in China in an underground little hidden room by candlelight with three or four of their Christian friends reading one page of a Bible that they treasure and hold on to. And we throw ours around and never open them. That's a real, that's a real story. Look it up. Did you read today? Did you read yesterday? Did you read last week? Did you eat? No wonder you're not healthy. No wonder you don't feel alive. You're starving. There's a psalm, read Psalm 1, I might butcher it, but essentially the gist of it is, it always stood out to me, it's not, it says, he who meditates on the word of law, or meditates on the word of God every day is like a tree planted between two streams. Everything he does flourishes. That's health, right? I want to be a kind of stream, the tree that's like, I'm good, that's me. <laughs> that's me growing, right? There's two streams feeding me. Read. I'm challenging you for 30 days straight. Oh, Todd, this is too much, please. You watch six hours of Netflix a day, okay? Pray, abide, love, seek, and eat, read every day. I'm not even telling you how much to read. Here's my tips whenever I tell someone how to read the Bible for the first time. 
okay? I don't want to say this guy's name, but he's been a great example. Okay, be honest. And he said, you know, I don't always understand it. Cool. But you know what? He's faithful and continuing to do it. And guess what's happening? He's understanding it more and more. Here's what I say. Pray. Every time, I do this every time I read, 99% of the time. God, help me to understand and interpret what I'm reading and know how to best apply it to my life. Guide me in this. And then read it. I ain't telling you to read it. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm telling you to read it to learn and see what happens. If you read it just to be like, I want to say I read it, you're going to read a sentence and be bored. But if you read it and say, God, lead me, and you really mean that, he will lead you in it. And here's the mystical thing. It's a mystery. You don't talk about it in the 21st century. The Bible supernaturally affects us as believers. Supernaturally. I am a better human being, a better man, when I am in the word of God. Period. And when I'm not, I'm like a starving, desperate man lashing out at people around me. You get what I mean? Part of following is knowing what he's saying. Number four, preach. You can't say that you're following if you're not telling anyone about Jesus because he told you to do that. You've heard the story probably. I never remember which guy it is, Penn and Teller. Who's the big one? Penn, are you sure? Okay, Penn, right? I think he's smaller now. He's lost weight. But Penn, atheist, and everybody's seen it. He actually got really mad that Christians ended up using this because he's not a Christian at all. But he said that a guy came up to me, probably heard the story, came up to me after the show, gave him a Bible, and it was so powerful. Even if he doesn't like it, it's so powerful. He said something, that was a good man. And he said he gave me a Bible, and he, he talked to me, and he goes, I don't, I'm not saying I believe. I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you that was a good man. And then he said a powerful thing as an atheist. He said, how, I respect him because if he believes what he believes, he told me, how much must you hate me if you believe I'm going to die and you don't tell me how not to? That's what he said. How much must we hate those around us to not tell them the truth because we're afraid of looking stupid? We're afraid of looking silly. We're afraid of looking like a weirdo Christian. You're ashamed of me, right? I'll be ashamed of you. I'm not saying you got to go on the street corners and preach from the pulpit, or I mean, preach from the bench. I'm not saying that. Maybe, you know, we call those people crazy, and I'm like, maybe they're the only sane Christians in the world. But I am telling you that someone in your life, just to hear you say the name Jesus, can affect them. People, how do I talk about Jesus? Where your story and Christ's story and their story intersect. That's it. You ever been sad? You know a sad person? What gives you hope? I want to tell people about Jesus because he changed my life. He transformed me. That's a fact. I don't make any sense. And I want people to experience that. I want them to live forever. I don't want them, I'm not going to tell them about it because they're going to become millionaires because that's not true for all of them, is it? I tell them that. I'm not telling us because they'll be healthy if they do it. I'm not telling them they'll have beautiful smiles, you know, all these things that they're kind of prosperity stuff. I'm telling them because it is the only way to life. 30 days. Look for opportunities to talk about Jesus. By the way, if you have coworkers you spend eight hours a day with and you haven't talked about Jesus one time, I love, I love when I hear someone say, well, I'm not allowed to do that at work. Because mm-hmm. you ain't ever off the clock walking to your car, you chumps. Come on now, right? Don't be mad at me for calling you a chump, but you are, Right? Be honest with yourself at least. I respect someone that says, I'm just afraid to do it. That's honest. But don't make up an excuse for why you're not following. What does that sound like? Jesus can work with you, right, when we struggle to follow, when we're fearful, when we admit that. He, he struggles with the arrogant people. I'm not blind, am I, Jesus? Remember? The Pharisees? He said, if you were blind, I could help you, but because you say you see, I can't. 
I'm not saying that following means perfection. It isn't. You're going to fall. I mean, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble at times. But following him, I don't even need to define it for most of you Christians. You know in your heart whether you've been following or not. Pray, abide, love, seek, eat, read, preach, go. 30 days. Can you do it? Do you want to do it? Some of you, even if you don't, say you're not a Christian. Well, you're a Christian and you're already, if you're rolling your eyes as a Christian, you are so starving that you're not willing to take bread that's in front of your face. You have to try something different. And I'm telling you that this different is the only way to life. It is the only way to a life with purpose. That's for everyone here. One of these areas is out of whack in your life. I guarantee it. Just start there. If you're struggling with purpose in life, one of those areas, you have been given the most incredible mission that only you can fulfill. There are people that you can reach, that you can love, that you can impact that I can't, period, because you're uniquely gifted to do so. She's going to come play some music, and as she does, I want to leave you with this. I know you got Father's Day stuff, but this is important. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ, or are you a Sunday school 10-year-old? I heard about him once and sang a song. I go to church every week. Are you living in that purpose of being a disciple? Are you following? Are you living in that purpose and your design? And if not, listen to me. If life doesn't have purpose, if life has just become existing, if life is something that you're like, I just you cry all the time. Some of you cry every day because you're so overwhelmed and life is so heavy and nothing seems to help. It. And Jesus told you, come to me who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. And you just don't feel rested. Maybe it's because you haven't walked to him. You got so caught up in all the weights that you just sat down. Are you willing to do something radically different to have real purpose and fulfillment? Wherever you are. Because I have to do this. I'm taking my own advice. How did it become normal for me? How does it become normal? How do I ever have a bad day when I get to preach God's word? How do I have a bad day when I get the honor and privilege of talking about Jesus? How do we get to the place where we take for granted that we're able to gather in his name? That all we can think about is leaving? Leaving the temple? How did that happen? I made it easy for you today. How do I do something radically different? Do the challenge. 30 days of following Jesus. A man who didn't even know him did it. I bet he didn't even do it well. Because he's not empowered, but you can. 30 days. All right, what's the day today? I'm off the top of the head. 19th. 19th. July 19th. Can you do it? Do you even want to? Maybe you're so weak that you can't, you want to, but you can't even think about it. It seems so overwhelming. You'll have an opportunity today to ask him to come to you, to pick you up so you can follow him. It's real. It's all real. I promise. I've put my life on it. It's real. Now, if you're in the room and you're like, man, life is empty, Todd, and like this sounds good and like this Jesus thing, but I can't do it. I can't be perfect. So I'm going to keep trying. Listen, I get it. 
lot of people telling you how to have life. A lot of people out there. A lot of people way more charismatic than me. A lot of people with way better images and and videos and and books and all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. It's all empty. And you know it. That's why you're here today. You know it's empty. You thought you're here because your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend invited you. No, you're here because God himself picked you today and is speaking to you to tell you this. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. It is good news. You were made with a purpose. You're not an accident. You're not a screw-up. You were made to have purpose, and that purpose is living in relationship with God. He made all of this for us, and he said, there's one rule. I'm God, and you're not. Follow me. And we rejected that, and so sin entered the world. Sin is not just the bad things you do. It is. That's a, that's a symptom. It's that thing inside of us that we just can't fix, the brokenness and the evil and the hurt and the hate and the jealousy and the envy and the addiction, all these things inside of us that we just can't break. No matter how many programs we follow, we just can't fix it. The thing that we lay at night looking at the ceiling saying, what is the point? The point is you are separated from the vine and you're meant to be with God. Sin separated us, right? God is good and holy. He can't be with something that's not. And so thousands of years of human existence has been the story of his creation, his beloved creation, scrambling around trying to live life, trying to be alive outside of him. And all we do is hurt each other and hurt ourselves in the process because we don't know what we're doing. We're lost. And we can't make our way back to him. So God had a plan. He loved us from the moment he sent us out. He said, you can't make your way to me. I'm going to prove it to you. Ten commandments. You can't even do those every day. I'll come to you. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He existed. It's a fact. Historical fact. He came down. He lived. He taught us how to live. He performed miracles. He touched the untouchable. And he loved the unlovable. And he's still in the business of doing that today. So if you think that's you, you've gone too far. You've fallen too far. You're too gross, you're too vile, you're too lost. That's what he does. He finds the lost and he heals the brokenhearted and he frees the captives. That's what he does. So here's the deal. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, died on the cross for our sins, for the penalty that we owe God. Because to be right with God, we got to make up for what we did, and we don't have the capability. He died on the cross so that we could. On the third day, this is the part that's going to sound crazy, he rose from the dead. That's crazy. 500 people historically attested to the fact that the risen Christ was walking around talking to people. And so some, he offers you today. You, he loves you so much, he divinely appointed this moment for you to hear this message. I'm telling you the truth. From this goofy guy, he did this for you. And he would have done it if you're the only person in the room. Here's the deal. He says, you come to him with your sin and your garbage and your brokenness. And you say, God, forgive me for what I've done. Jesus, I want the life you offer. He will take that sin. Time doesn't exist for him. He will take it. He will nail it to the cross. He put it on himself. And in return, he will give you the benefit of his perfect, spotless, holy life. So that when God looks at you, he just sees perfect Jesus forever. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved, period. You're going to have an opportunity to respond. I was you. I was in the crowd. Nobody invited me. I didn't have, I got invited from another friend. I didn't have family or friends, and I listened to someone. I don't even remember his name, but I remember the message, and he asked me if I wanted this. So the question is, do you want life? 
Do you want real life? Because you have the opportunity today to have it. There's going to be people up here ready to pray with you. I did it, and I'm not even tricking you like they tricked me. You don't have to go into a secret room. But if you can't walk 50 feet, 20 feet to the front to pray, then you don't want it enough. Are you willing to start today that today is the first day you follow Jesus? Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.